There you go, Brady. We just finished another uh, great episode of Healthy Voices Radio uh, with Daniel and Joe of Double Bagging It. Uh, what a funny, funny, amazing duo and, and, and formative. I'll tell you, Robert, I, I love just how their story really the spotlight on what it's, what it's like with chronic illness, how two separate journeys led them to, to come together and, and use their, their voices combined for, for advocacy. Uh, the way that they reach people and touch people is, is so heart, heartfelt, and, and it was such a pleasure having them on, on the episode. Yeah, I really hope everybody enjoys the episode, so enjoy. You are listening to Healthy Voices Radio, where you will hear podcasts featuring stories from our Healthy Voices family, hosted by amazing advocates, interviewing amazing advocates. Now, here's your Healthy Voices Radio host, talking all things health-related, Robert Brining and Brady Dale Morris. And hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Healthy Voices Radio, which is produced and sponsored by Jansen, the founder of Healthy Voices, a groundbreaking leadership conference created exclusively to empower online health advocates. For more information on Healthy Voices, please visit HealthyVoices.com. Also, follow Healthy Voices at Healthy Voices on Twitter, Instagram for updates on this podcast, as well as Twitter chats, webinars, and the 2020 conference and so much more. A few disclaimers before we begin today. If you need medical advice or have questions about your treatment or condition, we urge you to speak with your doctor as we cannot provide medical advice. As a reminder, for regulatory guidelines, we are not permitted to discuss any medications or products during today's episode. Information shared will be done so in a public capacity. We will not share or post any information that is personal or confidential. Uh, do not share or post any uh, personal information about anyone else. And last but not least, Jansen paid Robert and I to host and produce today's podcast. And with that said, Robert Brining, I am so excited for today's episode. Oh, Brady Dale, it's so good to be live and on air with you. And I'm so excited to be back with Healthy Voices and and to just share stories of those amazing health advocates that um, really like you know, touched us while we were there at the conference. So today we have uh, two guests, which is awesome. We're going to uh, give you two powerful stories of these two amazing friends, best friends. So um, our guests today are Daniel Goulden and Just Peters, who are IBD warriors and, and permanent ileostomates. Uh, they're, co- they're comedians, speakers, advocates, and two best friends without buttholes. Danielle and Joe use their humor, wisdom, and stories to connect with and support other people living with ostomies and IBD. They believe in the power of humor advocacy, and awareness. Joe has been living with Crohn's for over 26 years, and Danielle has had ulcerative colitis for over 26 years. They are amazing together and individually, and please help me welcome Danielle and Joe to the show. Hi, guys. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having us. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. Yeah. We're super excited to have you guys join us. Yes, we are. So, so we're going to. I want to start off with uh, Danielle first. Danielle, can you tell us a little bit um, before we get into um, 
what you guys do together, double bagging is the, the, the two best friends without buttholes. It's amazing, the tagline. And, and you guys mm-hmm. together, your videos are hilarious on Instagram and Facebook. But before we get into what you guys do together, I kind of just wanted to get a little bit um, for our listeners to hear a little bit of your individual stories. Um, so can I start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about um, – well, well you, you, the colitis, 26 years ago you were uh, diagnosed, I guess, with colitis. Can you tell us a little bit how that went and, and, and your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up an incredibly healthy child and um, very social, very outgoing, loved to travel with my family. And um, around like sophomore, junior year of high school, around the age of 16 or 17, I started to feel not so well and um no, we didn't really know what to attribute that to. Um, I started having a lot of stomach issues and intestinal issues and having more urgency to go to the bathroom. We kind of blamed it on like too much fruit juice here or there, you know, whatever we could think of. And it kind of blew it off and, and went to uh, college and I only continued to deteriorate. So I came back home and uh, saw my doctor and was told that I had um a gluten intolerance. So I went on for a couple of years thinking that that is what I had, and um, which is really hard to do when you're in college and you have no money to buy um, products that are more expensive. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Now I do it, but back then it was harder. So um, yeah, so it was kind of really difficult. My my health really started tanking, and I started finding myself in the bathroom more and more. I actually had to. Um, change my college. I had to change my uh, major, um, which I started going into environmental science. I wanted to be a park ranger. Um, and then I decided I had to change that because it just, that wasn't going to pan out. And I ended up going for a marketing degree, which was safer. And the fact that you have an office and offices have bathrooms and not trees. So right. um, <laughs> I changed my major and I just kind of continued thinking that it was like, crappy uh, college food and crappy college beer and, you know, making excuses for things. I even actually had to go to college a little bit longer. I had to drop out of a few classes because um, the the campus that I went to had some really old buildings, which were really cool, but not really good when you had uh, a disease, an undiagnosed disease that made you go to the bathroom 25 times a day. So I actually was in one building and it, the, the classroom was smack dab in the middle of the building, and there was stairwells on the ends of the building, and each floor had a different bathroom. So, like, one floor was male, and the other one was female, and, of course, I was on the male floor. So, like, sprinting down the hallway and not pooping your pants, and then down a flight of stairs and back to the middle of the hallway just wasn't really good. So, I actually had to drop out of that class, which was only offered once a year, of course. <laughs> so, that put me a little bit behind. So, I have a lot of you know, a lot of things that were kind of saying, you know, you need to go see another doctor. So I finally saw my general practitioner and she's like, you know, this is really not normal. And at at that time I started having a lot of bleeding as well. And I think I was in denial. I thought it was something, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was something that, you know, was, I didn't want to hear about. So finally, I mean, you were, I'm sure you were scared as well. Oh yeah. I was terrified. Um, Terrified because, you know, I'm like, early 20s and that's like you know the time you're supposed to be having fun not like reading a shampoo bottles ingredients in your bathroom for hours you know that was time before the smartphone um I could have educated myself but now I'm just like I could go to a spelling bee for like you know ingredients on the back of a shampoo bottle 
So, um, you know, it's a hidden talent. It's a skill I acquired. Um, so I had a life-saving colonoscopy, which um, discovered that I had, at the time, severe ulcerative colitis. And honestly, most people would think, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. But actually, it was a breath of fresh air because I had, you know, a diagnosis. And having a diagnosis mm-hmm. means that you have options. So, um, you know, long story short, I uh, – <laughs> actually, it's just funny. That day, I went and bought, like – uh, every food product that had gluten in it. <laughs> so every <laughs> to make up for it. Yeah, I did. Like it was, it was hilarious. It was like a buffet of horrible food. Um, but I was happy, you know, I was like, yay. So, um, so from then, so I was diagnosed in 99. So I was sick from 93 to 99 without a proper diagnosis. And um, from there, I just kind of started following the advice of my GI. And unfortunately, you know, it was nice to have the diagnosis, but unfortunately, I didn't have any of the things that could have made me better. All of the medicines that I had taken, um, nothing seemed to actually work. Some things helped a few symptoms, but not all of the symptoms. And like I said, the worst thing for me was was going to the bathroom 20 to 25 times a day and having a lot of bleeding and I lost a ton of weight and was nauseous all the time. And so um, I don't know how I got through my wedding day and graduating college and um, having a baby, but somehow I got through all of that stuff. And finally, after going through every medication that just wasn't working, um, we'd come to the conclusion that that my, my intestine was probably just not in the best shape. So I made the decision back in 2007. Oh, and I'm leaving out a very important part of the story that you guys will enjoy. I was so ill that I had to buy a car to take a seat out to put a toilet in it. So I I, um, drove around with a poop mobile for several years, like literally had a toilet in my car. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. That's that's a treat. I know. That's all you can say. It's hilarious. How weird. How how was, Wow. Like how? How? Where? Yeah. <laughs> like so in the passenger seat, picture. in the back seat? No, let me paint you a picture. So <laughs> we go. Please. Yes. The best part is going into the car dealership with us in mind. So my husband and I went in and, you know, they're like, oh, what can we do for you today? And, you know, they're like, oh, what are you looking for? What kind of treats on your car do you want? Of course, they think, like, you know, a sunroof and, you know, XM radio or whatever. Um, no, but I was like, no, I need, a, I need a good, like, I had, like, a floor plan of the car. I needed the seats to come out in a specific way. And we explained to them, like, we're taking a seat out to put a toilet in. And the guy laughed, which, of course, you, why wouldn't you? Right. right. I'm sure that's something that I'm, I'm sure that not every car salesman hears every day. I feel I feel like probably no one has, you know. And so it was great. And, right. and the guy that's looked. The guy, yeah, the guy looked at my husband, and he's like, and he's quiet. He's much quieter than I. And he's like, no, she's serious. So I, you know, I, I didn't want to go into too many gory details, but we ended up buying this car and. We put a camping toilet in, and we bungeed it in. We I lived in Cleveland at the time, so we winterized it so, like, the water and, you know, everything wouldn't freeze. And I, I'm not very domestic, but I made, like, curtains, and um, it was amazing. That is a so, great story. Well, Jen, yeah, like I, the, 
I hate to ask you no, this now, don't. Joe, to follow up with Danielle, but could you go ahead and tell us that now a little bit about your journey and and everything um, leading up to your ostomy? Sure, sure. I um, uh, I was a relatively healthy kid outside of just normal childhood illnesses and things, and I um, but I was always uh, I was always a pooper. I was always a pooper. Um, <laughs> But nothing ever rose to the level of, of needing medical attention. Uh, I, gra- right. I graduated high school. I, I joined the Naval Reserves, and I went away for training for, for five months. And while I was away, I started um, getting more more symptoms and having more problems. And when I came home from that five months of training, I my parents started taking me around to try to figure out what was going on. And it took uh, not nearly as long as it took Danielle to get diagnosed, but about a, it took me about a year, year and a half, uh, about, yeah, about a year to get fully diagnosed and diagnosed the same way Danielle was with a colonoscopy. They found out I had really, uh, really bad Crohn's disease, ileocecal uh, Crohn's disease, right where the ileum meets the colon. And I started medications right away, running the gamut, um, steroids, you know, throwing a bunch of steroids at me. Um, uh, and I, unlike Danielle, or I should say similar to Danielle, I, I had a poop mobile too, except I didn't put a, a toilet in the car. I just had a, I was going to ask you that. Neck- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I pooped in my car too, but not with the aid of a toilet. <laughs> so, um, uh, but that was a nice. Uh, a nice, uh, uh, yeah, nice fun. Uh, but I, so that was in 93. I was at the age of 19 is when I was diagnosed. And uh, two years later, the disease had, had gotten um, so bad. It wasn't, wasn't well controlled. And by 95, I had my first intestinal resection done. Uh, they took out portions of my small intestine, my large intestine, put them back together. And I healed from that and, and returned to uh, quote unquote normal health. But within a year of that surgery, the disease the disease was back in full force at the surgery site, and I had to start back on you know heavy doses of steroids and the gamut of medication at that time. Um, I have done all all of the various treatments for for Crohn's disease over the years. I've had two resections: that first one being in '95, second one in 2004. Uh, that one was a that one was a rough one. Um, wow! I that that year prior to that surgery in 2004, uh, I'd been losing a lot of a lot of blood, and so I'd had to have several blood transfusions in that year. Right. Um, and then after but after that surgery in 2004, again like in '95, I healed and came back to quote unquote normal health. But as always, the disease comes back at or I shouldn't say as always, but it's typical. Uh, the disease came back at the surgery site, and um, uh, it just kept doing the Crohn's disease. Just kept doing damage to my intestines, as it as it uh, does. It's, it's a very very harsh disease. Um, by 2012, I needed surgery again. By that time, I had really bad rectal disease. Um, the rest of my intestine was was pretty okay. I had some minor locations, but. Um, that that rectal disease is really what drove my ostomy surgery. My rectum was so diseased that they just they couldn't they no medication was touching it. They couldn't uh, resect it because you can't really resect the rectum. Uh, once you cut into the rectum, you lose all continence, and uh, so I had to have the ostomy surgery. And the ostomy surgery 
Gostomy surgery for me was very rough, um, but it did ultimately save my life and and bring me to uh, Danielle and double back. Right. So it's great. Well, I'm so glad you brought I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, and I think that this is something that is so imperative for for our listeners and and for other people living with chronic illnesses to understand that even though we have very different journeys, a lot of those bring us we cross paths with one another along those different journeys and, and share a lot of similarities. Um, and in the case, like you just said, you and, and Danielle's uh, journey to ostomies were very different, but they did bring you together to what I, what Robert and I think are one of the greatest advocacy taglines ever is two best friends. <laughs> so how did, how did you two actually get connected and, and start this, this advocacy together? Yeah, so um, a few years back, about what five years now. Yeah. Um, my I'm from Cleveland, and my family and I were relocating to Columbus, Ohio, for my husband's job, and I reached out online to so an online support group that Joe and I are both in, and I just kind of wanted to connect with anybody in Columbus because I wanted to, you know, I was very active uh, up in Northeast Ohio with. Um, Crohn's and colitis groups and with ostomy groups and I wanted to refine my tribe in central Ohio so I reached out and Joe answered and um, wouldn't you know it we live came to live three miles apart and he invited me to yeah he invited me to go to our local ostomy uh, group and we met in person there that's awesome what was that like Joe yeah Uh, well for me it, it was it was amazing. I, you know, I had my surgery in, in 2012 and, and I had at the end of 2012 and I had a, a really rough, uh, not just physical, but emotional uh, time recovering from that surgery. Uh, coming to ostomy, there's a spectrum of, of how people handle that, just like many things. But I was on the, the far, far end of the spectrum as far as depression, and anxiety, uh, it took me a full year to recover, and, and part of that recovery was reaching out to support groups, both online and in person, this in-person support group. And the in-person support group was very helpful, but there weren't many people there similar to me, both in age and disease. There, The group tends to have a lot of, you know, it's funny saying that I, I'm the younger one in there at 46. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But there weren't many people like me, not both in age and in disease process. When Danielle showed up, uh, it was an amazing connection. Both were similar age, similar disease process, and similar outlook on life. It was just it, – it did wonders for me and my my health. You're leaving a big part of it out. I also don't have a butthole. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Neither of us have buttholes. Well, and then, Joe, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. I'm just glad you brought that up too, Joe. Is that it's it's a kind of a, a kind of misconception, probably in, in public, in in general, that that these kind of things happen to older people only. Um, so I think it's important to to highlight the aspect that, you know, someone can have an uh, an abdominal issue at any age and and have to undergo and and begin life with an ostomy. Correct. Yeah, by far, and, and we're you know sitting here in our 40s. There are our children, babies, babies who are, are born with conditions that require them to have ostomies uh, from birth. Uh, certainly, lots of teenagers, 20s, 30s, all the whole whole range. Yeah. Well, is it in also too, Joe? Because 
it took you a while to find that support group. Is that what then led you and Danielle to to put your heads together and and decide to to come out as as advocates? Put your bags well, together, you mean? <laughs> put our bags together. Yeah. <laughs> Back yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an interesting uh, version of the Wonder Twins, right? <laughs> Instead of rings, magical rings, magical bags. Yeah, magical bags. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, you know what? Certainly, the connection we made uh, as friends and just what we were getting from each other in that support was very unique, and from the time we spent together that that did lead us into starting double bagging it and but the real nexus of that was at we went to the united ostomy association conference that year in 2015 and we saw um we we were around other patients and other right. we came in contact with other advocates there and we we you know decided hey why don't we share our voice and and we see how other people are helping others in their advocacy? Why not why not us? And that's where Double Bag and it was born. Yeah, amazing. empathy does amazing things. Empathy really does. I love it. So seeing others is kind of what kind of uh, made you want to become an advocate and kind of put yourself out there because you weren't like this. You know, you, you weren't an advocate before, correct? Correct, yeah. So yeah, it's being inspired you know, by others' stories. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Danielle. I was just going to say, I think that, like, advocacy comes in so many different forms. Like, I would consider myself as an advocate having um, just reaching out to other patients prior to doing anything with double bag in it. I think um, – just the the amplification of coming together and seeing like like Joe said our similar outlooks on life and, and I think another big thing is with these illnesses specifically as well as ostomies they could be very isolating and right. some people you know if we had the chance to really come to the idea of having an ostomy with our disease half but some people wake up from an emergency surgery and have them and so they right. don't, they didn't have the time to digest that information. And so I think a lot of patients kind of uh, do a lot in silence and don't leave their house and they don't think that they can live a normal life again. And that's one thing we started picking up on talking to other patients at these conferences that some of them like didn't feel they could go on vacation anymore or couldn't hang out with their kids or go to lunch. And we started saying like, wow, we should put our stories out there and do these little videos and let people know that you can still live a completely amazing life with an ostomy and with these illnesses. So that kind of sped us forward into our mission of just trying to help other people who maybe didn't have a voice or want to take action on that. Well, Joe, where can people go to find um, and see your advocacy work on, on social media? Is it yeah, uh, social media, is, is, they can find us on both Instagram and Facebook at Double Baggin' It, and Double Baggin' with no G, so it's uh, B-A-G-G-I-N, Double Baggin' It. And you, and you said there's Facebook and Instagram. Correct. All right. Well, then I want to talk about, for just real quick, um, Robert and I, we've met you at the Healthy Voices Conference in Dallas. Talk to us about a little bit. Like, how did y'all find out about Healthy Voices and, and what got y'all involved? 
So we had started hearing little bits and pieces about Healthy Voices and how exciting uh, of an event it was um, online. So in some Facebook groups that we were in and a couple of things on Instagram and a, a few of our fellow advocates um, who had gone the year before. So we looked into it and found it to be amazing, and we uh, applied and got in. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Ditto. Ditto, ditto. Um, <laughs> what, what did you walk away from Healthy Voices with that you didn't go there with? Well, certainly the – the broader the broader advocacy community was and and that familial feeling that we all share regardless of the condition uh disease that that we advocate in the space that we advocate in it just opened opened my eyes to the the broader advocacy work that's out there and how we're all doing the same thing right and how we all can that's why I love healthy voices all, yeah. And I mean, that's kind of why we wanted to do this, to continue the stories after the conference to kind of follow, you know, because you don't get to interact with everybody while you're there. Um, but there, there's people that we just wanted to highlight, and you guys are, are, are those people out there making a difference and just being yourselves and being funny. Um, I was checking out one of your videos, and I think it was after, uh, Joe, you had surgery. Um, and um, it was a fart video. <laughs> um, <laughs> And um, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting, you know. It, 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 I love that you use your humor because it, it lightens up the mood of a serious situation. You know what I mean? And it makes people feel a little bit more comfortable um, when discussing the the topic. And I think humor is really a key point, you know, in, in any kind of chronic condition. And you guys do it so well together. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're that, that's part of our connection as friends, as we both have similar. Uh, silly outlook on life and our humor. We use humor just naturally in everything, so it, it makes sense to bring it to our advocacy work. I, I think it's also natural too when you're like we talk about farts and pooping because we're just always doing that. It's always happening. We're, we're actually pooping right now, Robert and Brady. Right now, as <laughs> I we talk it. to you on this, on this podcast, <laughs> we're both pooping. You're welcome. <laughs> and that you both awesome. may be pooping too. Well, you don't want to judge. Maybe you are. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that is yet to be known. <laughs> so, were were you always funny? Like, were you always funny? Like, growing up, or was it kind of like once you guys came together, you just all of a sudden became funny together? Like, how how was it for you? Um. Well, I, I've uh, I I'm going to answer for both of us, and I'm going to say yes. We've always been funny. <laughs> we've always been funny. We both we both have a history in in performing. Uh, we both okay. have done did theater in high school and uh, both both ne- just performers in general. And I myself, I've been doing improvisational comedy for over 20, uh, you know, not as long as I've had Crohn's disease, but over 20 years. Um, wow. So I've always I've always, you know, done that. That aside from just being funny in our daily lives. Yeah, I think well, so too. Yeah, I um. I, I'm not as funny as Joe. I think I'm the sarcastic one. So, 
So that might well, maybe that's funny, or maybe I'm just a jerk. I don't know. Not only do y'all, not only is humor used as as like kind of like an icebreaker, and and like as Robert said, a way to talk about um, and lighten up a very serious conversation, but it's also a, a form of self care. Uh, what other avenues do do you, uh, Danielle and Joe, use for for self care? So my, I'm a big fan of music and hiking. Those are my like very uh, happy places, and and combining music with hiking also. Um, no, just absolutely. outdoors is kind of my playground, kind of my church. Um, yeah, so those are my things. I, I can do. I don't. I don't mind a good massage once in a while and a nice bath, but um, I would say like just getting outdoors and kind of you know letting my thoughts wander and. Just enjoying some of that. Yeah, my my self care is um, is connecting with my my family. Uh, I have five older siblings, and reaching out and spending time with them, as well as friends and movies. I love movies. Going to the movies was one of the um, one of the the first things I was able to reclaim after my ostomy surgery and get back to activity wise. And I, I love just losing myself in a movie. Right. Well, what kind makes, of movies? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I had to ask. What kind of movies do you like? <laughs> oh, anything and everything. Although I, I tend to uh, not be a big horror fan, um, <laughs> but I I will watch any type of movie. On <laughs> I remember while I was recovering from my ostomy surgery, being like one of only six people watching Frozen at like a 10 p.m. showing at the movie theater. <laughs> Um, so I, well, I Joe, I'm curious. You you saying that it made me curious. How were your friends? Um, how did they react to you to your to your ostomy surgery? And and how do they they like had to kind of like overcome any kind of stigmas that they felt or anything like that encountered with them? Or were they supportive? What was that experience like? Yeah, that's that's very. Um, that's a very good question. My my friends were ama- and are amazing. I I have two two different friend groups. I, I consider I have my friends who've been there for forever, uh, and then I have my improv friends, which is a very big community here in Columbus. And both of them were an amazing part of my recovery. And you know, I didn't face anything. I, I've never. And it's interesting to bring up the stigma. I've never felt the stigma from either IBD or ostomies directly. Like that's never personally, I've never, I've never experienced directly anybody saying anything derogatory or, you know, not accepting me in any way. Everyone, all of my friends have been very supportive. Coworkers have been supportive. Um, Awesome. But Danielle, I guess uh, same question to you. How was it for you and your friends and family? So um, actually, it was pretty cool because I was so desperately ill for so long, um, direly ill, I guess to say, that it was very refreshing for everyone. They didn't think anything of it because I was finally able to not cancel plans, and I would go in the car with people because I obviously didn't go in a car if it didn't have a toilet in it. So like I wouldn't travel when I was sick, and I would I would make plans and have to cancel. So it was really exciting for them to see that I was like thriving at life again, and I was back to being the person they knew prior to me being really ill. 
so they were definitely very, um, they embraced it and they asked a lot of questions and they wanted to know, you know, they, they definitely wanted to be a part of my like care team and um, it was great. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I guess we're, we're kind of rounding out the, to the end of our, our episode. Before I let you go, I want to talk about what is um, probably one of your favorite moments so far um, or most or moments that stands out the most for you uh, in your advocacy work. Hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. The, the first one that comes to my mind, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, one of the things that we really both, we, we, we talk ourselves about all the time. Anytime we have these kind of, of connections when we speak and we're out there is we, we made contact with a young man who was new to ostomy at one of the conferences we were at. And we, we spoke, we did our presentation along with our tagline of two best friends without buttholes. Our mantra is rock out with your bag out, both literally and figuratively. Right. And, you know, rock, rock out with your bag out means, Danielle? It means, like, carpe diem, like, get out there and live it. Yeah. Uh, but we, but we it, literally rock out with our bag out. So we always will show our bag. And, you know, some, some people, you know, it's a personal decision. Some people, you know, you, you don't want to show your bag. But we're always showing it because that's a way to, to bring people in and say, hey. Yeah, we always say like you can hide your bag, but don't let your bag hide you. Yeah, but we. This young man. I was just saying, I love that that's part of your advocacy work, um, and and everything on Facebook. I love how y'all will go around. You'll be in random cities, and you'll see artwork, or if there's like um a picture or cut out of James Bond, you'll go and get your picture taken with an ostomy bag up on James Bond, and you kind of like you help normalize that anybody. Yeah, we, we call that ostomy bombing, and we love to do it everywhere and anywhere, yeah. And uh, awesome. which brings it back to Joe with the young man that he was talking about. Yeah, this, this young man, he, he came to conference. His ostomy nurse brought him and got the funds to bring him, and he'd been struggling, as, as I know I did and, and many people do. And he, watching his transformation from when he, he showed up at the conference, very tentative, uh, very afraid, and then on the last day when we spoke and he came up to us afterwards and we asked for a picture and we're taking a picture with him and we've got our bags out and he's like, can I whip my bag out? Can I put my bag out too? And like, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to see the smile on his face and the excitement and his mo- his mother, his mother was in tears seeing him this happy and this okay being with other people and, and realizing that, Hey, it's, it's okay. Yeah, just 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 normalizing that and and making everyone realize that you know we just poop a different way. It's no big deal. Right. Oh, how amazing. How. Yeah, that's that's really incredible. No, it's kind of like the moment he found his tribe. You know what I mean? It's like those yeah, moments right. that you know the simplest things just made him feel like he was actually a part of something. You know what I mean? Which is incredible. Which is why we do what we do as health advocates, right? Absolutely. And since you guys are so great at it, I know you guys were nominated and won a WeGo Health Award. Um, It was a hilarious patient award, correct? Patient leader award? So congratulations on that. Can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to to receive that? Thank you. Uh, Yeah, it, it was. It, it was and still is a great honor um, to be among, to be recognized um, among the vast, vast network of advocates out there. Um, very, uh, very humbling as well. Um, 
it was, it's been an amazing experience. It continues to be an amazing experience. Um, they're they're great great people over there. Yeah, it was incredible. That was definitely well deserved. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. So another thing, Danielle, which I you know I follow you guys on Instagram, and if people are listening, want to go. It's double bagging it. I'm on Instagram, and it's uh, bagging with no G at the end. It's B A G G I N. Um, go follow them there. But um, I followed you, and I was checking things out, and you actually like something that I like, which is really cool, weird, fun socks. What? What is it? Fun socks. Oh, fun socks. It sounded like you said fox, and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> yes, um, I, am, I am a connoisseur of delightful and somewhat offensive socks. Somewhat. Okay, some of them are <laughs> But they are I my love favorite. It. I just think you can express yourself so much when you're walking through the TSA line at the airport. That you is know? hilarious. That is a great point. Or at a doctor's appointment or on a train. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're my favorite. I, that's exciting that you enjoy awesome socks as well. High five, virtual high five. Yes, I love it. And I, lo- I love how Robert just almost gave you a new pastime, a new hobby there. Before we let you go, any advice that, um, that you two would give to someone thinking about um, using their voice and, and getting into health advocacy? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think my advice is don't think about it. Just do it. There are um, so many ways that you can get involved. And I think that everybody has their own way of being using their voice. If you can you can call your legislators, you can go and visit. We go to Washington, D.C. every year and advocate. You can advocate in your hometown. You can advocate in your, your state capital. You can advocate at local hospitals, um, support groups. There's so many places that you can use your voice and your story to help empower other people and, you know, again, make them feel not so alone in this journey. Um, So I think just starting anywhere and doing whatever, you know, your special talent is, it's going to be helpful. Yeah. And one thing I would add, one thing I would add to that is just, just to think about the fact that, you know, your, your story matters is, you know, there are, 3.1 3.1 million people living with IBD, but every single one of those stories matter. Um, uh, you you never know. You can you can line us all up, and we can all tell our stories. And as similar as they are, you never know which patient out there is going to connect with which one of us up here. So if you have the d- drive and desire to share your voice, share it. You matter. That is Great so advice. true. You know, one of the things I remember um, at the last Healthy Voices Conference in Dallas was a big group photo that I took of uh, 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 of all you with your bags out. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like one of the yeah, highlights of, of the conference that I had was taking that photo for you guys because it was like your whole tribe together. It was really awesome. Yeah, I love that picture because we're sitting in there, there are two leather chairs sitting there, and it looks like we're doing a remake of Knott's Landing or Falcon Crest or something. <laughs> or a Kardashian yeah. Christmas card. I don't know. Or, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Kardashians rock out with their so, th- Thanks for bringing my uh, 80s references up to the 2019. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, listen, guys, you have been amazing, and, and me and Brady just want to thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing your story. And just give us a glimpse into, you know, double bagging it and what it's all about and, and 
I just wish you guys nothing but success, and I can't wait to see you at the next Healthy Voices Conference. Yay. Likewise. Thank you. So thank much. you. It's been so much fun. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. There you have it, Brady. Another great show. That was so much so fun. For, I absolutely love them. Oh, I do too. I do. I, I love the humor. I love that I, can, I I could laugh through the whole entire thing, and I and I, you know, people are gonna love it. So yeah, if you uh, want to follow our guest today, uh, please go to Double Bagging It D O U B L E B A G G I N I T either on Facebook or on Instagram, or you can follow Healthy Voices Radio, and there'll be links there probably, um, or Brady or myself. So Brady, another great show, and um. I can't wait for the next one. Yes, I'm, I'm, we've got some more great episodes lined up for you this season of Healthy Voices Radio. So be sure and go and follow us on your favorite podcatcher, either on uh, iTunes or Google Play Radio. Thank you all. <laughs>